I would like to welcome everybody to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Program. We are studying the biblical festivals. This session will be our last session on the subject of Passover. This week we are going to be doing a teaching on the Passover Seder. In studying the biblical festivals, we need to remember four important principles regarding the study of the biblical festivals, in particular, how it relates to the historical Egyptian redemption. Number one, the Egyptian redemption is historic. Number two, the events which happened to the forefathers are prophecies of what will happen to their future descendants. Number three, the Egyptian redemption will teach us about Yeshua the Messiah. Number four, the Egyptian redemption will teach us of our personal relationship with Yeshua the Messiah. Passover is the festival of our freedom. So number one, Passover is historic. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 11 and 13, it is written, And thus you shall eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So when we're studying about Passover, we're studying about the historical Egyptian redemption. But we need to keep in mind that biblical history is prophecy. We are told that the historical Egyptian redemption is a prophecy and encouragement instruction for those who are living in the end of days. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it says, Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. The historical Egyptian redemption is a prophecy and it is a parable about the end of days. In Psalm 78 verses 1 and 2 and verse 13 it is written, Give ear, O my people, to my Torah, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. And speaking about give ear to my Torah, I will open my mouth in a parable, Psalm 78 goes on and speaks about the historical Egyptian redemption. In verse 13 it says, He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as a heap. The future redemption of the house of Jacob from all the nations where they've been scattered is a parallel and is likened unto the historical Egyptian redemption. In Hosea chapter 2 verse 15 and then in Micah chapter 7 verse 15 it is written, And I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor. Achor in Hebrew means trouble or troubling. The valley of trouble, which is a reference to the tribulation period, for a door of hope, and she shall sing there, and she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Then Micah chapter 7 verse 15 says, According to the days of your coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. The future redemption is the song of the Lamb. And in Psalm 137, verses 3 and 4, it says, By the waters of Babylon, there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. They're mocking us. And they're mocking us with these words. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. The song of Zion is the song of redemption. In verse 4, it says, How shall we sing the Lord's song? The Lord's song is the song of redemption. In a strange land, being in exile. The Lord's song, the song of Zion, we can see 
song in Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, thou King of saints. The Passover teaches us about Yeshua, our Messiah. He is our Passover lamb. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it is written, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Yeshua is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In John chapter 1, verse 29 it says, Behold, the Lamb of God, speaking of Yeshua, which takes away the sin of the world. The Passover blood of Yeshua redeems us from sin. In First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it is written, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. What is the tradition received from your fathers? It is a reference to the oral law. Today we would call it rabbinic Judaism. But with the precious blood of Messiah as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Passover has a personal application to believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. And we're to identify with the historical Egyptian redemption. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-4, through 4, it is written, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Messiah. Notice it says in these verses five times that all our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized in the Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea. They all did eat the same spiritual meat. They all did drink the same spiritual drink. What is being communicated here is that every believer in Yeshua as the Messiah is commanded to see themselves as if they came out of Egypt. That is because the covenant that was made at Mount Sinai was made with those who were there and also those who were not there. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 12 through 15, it is written, that you should enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, and that he may be unto thee a God, as he has said unto you, and as he has sworn unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but the covenant and the oath is being made with two groups of people, with him that stands here with us this day before the Lord our God, the literal physical people, and also with him that is not here with us this day. Everybody who is in covenant relationship with the God of Israel is what that is referring to. There is a commandment to tell your son in every generation that the God of Israel redeemed him from Egypt. In Exodus chapter 13 verse 8 it says, and you shall show your son in that day. One of the ways to interpret and understand this verse is that in every generation saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came forth out of Egypt. How does Passover relate to us as being believers in Yeshua as the Messiah? That is because the historical Egyptian redemption was a redemption of the firstborn, and all believers in Yeshua as the Messiah are also referred to as a firstborn family. First, the historical reference is in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. And you shall say unto Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay your son, even your firstborn. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 23, 
it shows us how we as believers in Yeshua, as the Messiah, are a congregation of firstborn people. It is written, But you have come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and into an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and congregation of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Passover is to be a memorial for all generations. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, it is written, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Given the fact that Passover is a memorial, when Yeshua celebrates Passover on the day prior to his death in the evening in Luke chapter 22 verse 15 he said unto them with desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer and verses 19 and 20 it says he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them saying this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me he is the lamb of the god of israel and so at passover which is to be a remembrance he is now saying that this is all about him and so therefore remember him in these things likewise the cup after supper saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Then, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. You're remembering, just as the commandment was to remember Passover. Therefore, when we study and as we understand the traditional Passover Seder, we need to understand it in these four contexts number one we are referring to historical events number two we are also declaring things that will happen in the future prophecies to come number three we need to realize that it teaches us about yeshua the messiah and number four it teaches us about our personal relationship with him that is how we're going to study and understand the significance and meaning of the Passover Seder. There's a commandment, there is to be an explanation of the events of Passover. This explanation is what we celebrate as the Passover Seder. And it comes from Exodus chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. The Passover Seder is meant to explain the events of Passover in fulfillment of the commandment. Seder means set order. The Seder refers to two things. Number one, the service itself. And number two, it refers to the Passover meal, which is eaten. A Passover Seder is conducted with the use of a Haggadah. What is a Haggadah? It is a Hebrew word which means to tell. The Haggadah is the book which tells the events of the Passover. In a traditional Passover Seder, there are 15 steps to the Passover Seder. As you go through each of these 15 steps, you are to see yourself as if you are climbing a spiritual ladder. And with each step, you are ascending to a higher spiritual level whose destination is the throne room of the God of Israel or being in his presence, the Holy of Holies. As we are ascending on a spiritual plane through each step. These 15 steps are going to teach us how we're to grow in spiritual maturity and being believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. And as it relates to Yeshua the Messiah himself, the steps of the Passover Seder will teach us about both the first and the second coming of Yeshua. The 15 steps of the Passover 
Seder are a parallel to the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent are the Psalms that come from chapters 120 to 134. Historically, when the pilgrims came to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, they sang these 15 psalms, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, as they made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When you go to Jerusalem, you are ascending, and these are called the Psalms of Ascent. In celebrating the Passover Seder, you will customarily recline during parts of the Passover Seder. Why do we do this? That's because Passover is the festival of freedom. Passover is a celebration of redemption from slavery to become a king and a priest before the God of Israel. Spiritually, we remember our redemption from the bondages of sin through the shed blood of Yeshua the Messiah, and we become his kings and priests, as we're told in Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. In ancient times, kings reclined to represent freedom and liberty. When you partake of items during the Passover Seder which represent this freedom, it is a custom to recline. When you partake of items which represent slavery, you do not recline. In preparing for Passover, and in the Passover season, one of the commandments is you are not to eat of any leaven or leaven products. You're to cast leaven products out of your house and from your presence. In traditional Judaism, there is a period of preparation before you actually celebrate the Passover Seder itself. This is based upon Exodus chapter 12, verse 15 and 19, which says, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day unto the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 19, it is written, Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eats that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. This period of time of searching and removing leaven from your presence in preparation for Passover, the ceremony of searching for leaven is called in Hebrew, Berachat Hametz. Prior to Passover, and this is practiced as a custom in traditional Judaism, a ceremony is conducted to search and remove leaven from the house, and the searching for leaven is Berachat Hametz. The ceremony is as follows. Step number one, the house is searched for hametz, or any leaven products. How does this spiritually relate to us as believers in the Messiah when we search the house for leaven? That's because believers in Messiah are his house. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6. But Messiah as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua HaMashiach. Leaven represents sin that is in our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it is written, Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven or old practices or old ways according to the old sin nature, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Step number two, the traditional custom is to leave ten small pieces of leaven or bread left in the house to be searched and ultimately found. How do you find these ten small pieces of leaven that are left in the house? 
it is done with a candle. There's a reference to this custom in Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 12 and it says, It will come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles. This is a reference to searching for the sin in Jerusalem. And I will punish the men that settle on their leaves that say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Step number three then, the father will take the children who will be searching for the leaven in the house along with the candle, a feather, a wooden spoon, and a piece of linen cloth and a search will be conducted in the house for these ten pieces of leaven. What's the spiritual meaning and application of these things? The candle represents the word of the God of Israel. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You search out sin with the help of the word of the God of Israel. The feather represents the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, For we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. It takes the spirit of the God of Israel to know the things of the spirit, the things that he has given us. We not only need the word of the God of Israel to show us sin, but we need the conviction of his Holy Spirit as well. The wooden spoon represents the tree that Yeshua died upon. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22, it says, If a man has committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, you will hang him on a tree. When Yeshua took upon himself the sins of the world, the punishment for taking upon himself the sins of the world, for being a rebellious son, took upon himself the sin of being a rebellious son, was to hang on a tree. Step number four, the father will take the feather and he will sweep the leaven onto the spoon. This is a spiritual picture for us that our sins were put upon Yeshua. The Holy Spirit reveals the sin that is in our lives. John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. You take the feather and you sweep the leaven onto the spoon. Yeshua was made sin for us. You sweep the leaven on the spoon. Yeshua was made sin for us on the tree. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The fifth step of this process is the father will take the feather, the spoon, and the leaven and will wrap these things in a linen cloth and cast them outside of the house to be burned. The spiritual meaning and application of this is when the sins of the world were put upon Yeshua, he died on the tree and in dying on the tree they wrapped him in linen clothes. John chapter 19 verse 40. Then took they the body of Yeshua and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Yeshua then went to a place of fire and burning. In Acts chapter 2 verse 22, 24 and 27 it is written Ye men of Israel hear these words. Yeshua of Nazareth a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it, because you will not leave my soul or his soul in Hades, in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption." This is the custom 
of searching your house for leaven prior to the celebration of Passover itself, which the Passover season inaugurates the days of unleavened bread, where no leaven is allowed to be in your houses. Now let's look at the elements of the Passover Seder, the reason for these elements and what they represent. The elements of the Passover Seder are meant to be used to help to recreate and tell about the events of Passover. One of the items on our Passover plate is a shank bone. In Hebrew, it is known as a zeroah. Usually, this shank bone is a poultry, and it is to be roasted. It represents the Passover lamb, which was sacrificed in the days of the temple. Zeroah in Hebrew means arm, and this is a term for Yeshua in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, which says, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the Zeroah, the arm of the Lord, revealed? All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, as it says in Isaiah 53, verse 6. We have, as well, three pieces of matzot, which is unleavened bread, on our Seder plate. Matzah, or unleavened bread, represents being without sin. Leaven, in the Bible, speaks of sin. Matzah is a picture of Yeshua who is without sin, as we're told in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 22. If we look at the matzah itself and the characteristics of a matzah, we can see that it is a picture of Yeshua. The matzah is pierced. It says about Yeshua in Psalm 22, verse 16, and Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, that he was pierced. The matzah is striped. We're told in Isaiah 53, verse 5, that Yeshua was striped. And the matzah is flat. It, there is no leaven in the matzah. It is then, symbolically, without sin. And Yeshua is without sin, as we are told in Isaiah 53, in verse 9. Next, we have a roasted egg known as a beitzah. The beitzah is a remembrance of the additional lamb that was eaten during Passover, known as the hagigah. The commandment regarding Passover is you are to eat the entire lamb, and you are to eat until you are full. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 4, it says, If the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 2, it says, You shall therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord your God of the flock and of the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Because the sacrifice of the Passover was to be of the flock and the herd, it was seen it was possible then to have an additional lamb. The Beitzah is a remembrance of the additional lamb that was eaten during Passover, known as the Hagigah. The Passover lamb could only be eaten in Jerusalem. In the days of the temple, pilgrims who traveled to Jerusalem for Passover would register at the temple court and eat in groups of 10 to 20 people. A representative for the registered group would go into the temple and sacrifice their lamb for the entire group. One lamb may not be enough for everyone to be full if there were 20 people. In this circumstance, a second lamb would be roasted known as the Hagigah, and the Hagigah represents a peace offering. Another item on our Seder plate is Maror, or Hasaret, known as bitter herbs. Traditionally, the two herbs on our plate are romaine lettuce, used as Hasaret, and horseradish used for maror. Two herbs are required to be eaten during Passover based upon the commandment in Exodus chapter 12, verse 8. And you shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. 
One of the bitter herbs is romaine lettuce. Romaine lettuce first tastes sweet and later becomes bitter. The sweet represents the Egyptian or worldly experiences and the temporary pleasures of sin. At first, sin to our flesh is fun and exciting. Later, however, we understand the errors of our ways, the deceitfulness of sin, and how it brings bitterness into our lives and causes us to go and be in bondage. Another bitter herb is horseradish. Horseradish is going to represent the bitterness that comes to our lives from being in sin. The next item is haroset. Haroset is a mixture of chopped apples, nuts, cinnamon, and spices. Haroset represents the mortar in Egypt. It also represents the sweet taste of freedom from Egyptian bondage. Carpus is a green vegetable that appears on the Passover Seder plate. It represents spring or rebirth. Next, in conducting the Passover Seder service, we're going to have four cups. The four cups of Passover relate to the four I wills of redemption found in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, which says, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people. These I wills are seen as being progressions of stages of redemption. From initial redemption to complete and total redemption. Complete and total redemption is a picture of the Messianic age and ultimately the new heavens and the new earth. These four cups will teach us about our personal salvation in Yeshua. The four cups are going to represent the cup of sanctification. The second cup is the cup of affliction and deliverance. The third cup is the cup of redemption. And the fourth cup is the cup of his coming kingdom. We also have the cup of Elijah, which is part of the Passover Seder items. The cup of Elijah is not drunk, but it is poured out. The cup of Elijah reminds us that before Messiah will return, that Elijah will precede his coming. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 10 and 11, it is written, And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes, the teachers of Torah, say that Elijah must first come before the Messiah? Yeshua answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come, that is future, and restore all things. And the prophecy of this is found in Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Remember the Torah of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Elijah comes to restore all things. The restoration is to remind the people, the God of Israel, to follow the Torah of Moses. Now let's go over and understand the 15 steps of the Passover Seder service. Step number one is Kadesh and the first cup. Kadesh is the sanctification of the day. The first of the four cups are filled at this time. Traditionally, each participant will fill each other's cup. Why is this done? Because in ancient times, nobility never poured their own cup. In doing this, we are reminded that Passover is the festival of our freedom. And we are to see ourselves as kings and priests before the God of Israel, as it says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. After the cup is filled, the cup is lifted in the right hand, and the following blessing is recited. I am ready and prepared to observe the commandment to drink the first of the four cups for the sake of the God of Israel and his presence. 
may it be counted in the name of all Israel. In lifting up the cup in the right hand, the right hand is going to represent the Messiah. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 6, it says, Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, is the one that dashed in pieces the enemy, that drowned Pharaoh and his army in the sea. That was done by the right hand. The Messiah did that. Psalm 44, verse 3. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. It wasn't by their personal physical might. But your right hand in your arm in the light of your countenance, because you had favor unto them. And Yeshua said in John chapter 12, verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Yeshua is the true vine. His vineyard is the nation of Israel. In Psalm 80, verse 8, it says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the heathen and planted it. You planted the vine. Psalm 80, verse 15, In the vineyard which your right hand has planted, who planted the vineyard that came out of Egypt, the right hand, who is the Messiah. The Messiah brought his people from Egypt. And the branch that you made strong for yourself. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And in John chapter 15, verse 5, Yeshua said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Step number two is your hats. Your hats is the ceremonial washing of hands. In this step, the host of the Passover Seder will take a bowl of water and pour water over the hands of each participant. What's the spiritual application of this? In celebrating Passover, you are to see yourself as if you are a king and a priest before the God of Israel. In the days of the temple, the priest would wash their hands before entering the temple and would raise their hands, showing the God of Israel that their hands are clean before him. The hands represent what you do, that your heart and your heart motives are pure and clean before him. In Psalm chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, it is written, Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? What's the hill of the Lord? Mount Zion. Who's going to ascend and be on that mountain? And who's going to stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. The water is poured on each other's hands, indicating living water, or in Hebrew, Mayim Hayim. Yeshua is referred to as being the Mayim Hayim, the living water. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. John chapter 4, verse 10 Yeshua answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. Step number three is known as karpas. During karpas, parsley is dipped in salt water and eaten. The salt water represents the tears of the children of Israel in Egypt. What's the spiritual application of this? The salt water reminds us of the bitterness experienced by Yeshua in the Garden of Gethsemane. Green parsley represents resurrection and new life. Believers in Messiah are to experience new life in him, leaving the ways of Egypt, which represents the world and the world system. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it is written, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, 
that like as Yeshua was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk or live our lives in newness of life. Not after the old man, the old nature, and the old ways, but according to the new man. Step number four is Yahatz. During Yahatz, you take the middle of the three pieces of matzah that will be in your matzatash bag. The matzatash bag contains three compartments, and each compartment will have a piece of matzah. You take the matzah out of the, the middle compartment, and you break the middle piece. Then you take the larger of the two broken pieces, and you wrap it inside a napkin. It will then be hidden to be used later on in the Passover service as the afikomen. What is the spiritual application of this? The broken piece of matzah is called the lechem oni, or the bread of affliction. It represents the death of Yeshua on the tree. Wrapping the broken piece of matzah in a napkin represents the burial of the Messiah. The bread of affliction is referred to in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 3. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Eat unleavened bread, even the bread of affliction. The matzah, which is without sin, is called the bread of affliction. For you came forth out of the land of Egypt in haste. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, it says, When he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Yeshua said, I am that matzah. Eat of it and do it in remembrance of me. Step number five is the longest part of the Passover Seder service. It is known as Megid and the telling of the events of Passover. Megid will also be the step where we will partake and drink of the second cup. It's the fulfillment of the command of Exodus chapter 13 verse 8 that you shall show your son in that day saying this is done because of that which the Lord did for me when I came forth out of Egypt. A subpart of Magid is called Halakma Anya. Halakma Anya is the invitation to come and eat of the bread of affliction. The invitation is as follows. This is the bread of affliction which our forefathers ate in the land of Egypt. If any man is hungry, let him come and eat. If any man is in need, let him come and join in celebrating the Passover festival. This year here, next year in Jerusalem or next year in Israel. This year, slaves. Next year, free men. What's it referring to? Next year in Israel, next year's is free men? It's referring to the Messianic era in the end of the exile of the house of Jacob and all the nations where they've been scattered. What is the spiritual or Messianic application of Halakma Anya? It is the invitation to come and eat of the bread of affliction who is Yeshua. We eat of him when we believe that he is the Messiah and seek to follow after him and follow after his ways. In John chapter 6 verse 51 it is written, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, which is believe in me, he shall live forever, have everlasting life. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which in Hebrew is basar, the gospel, which I will give for the life of the world. We are commanded to encourage others to believe in Yeshua and to have others eat at his table. Yeshua told a parable in Luke chapter 14 that is said this way in verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper. The redemption from Egypt is celebrated with a meal, which is likened unto a great supper. And he bade many to come to this meal. 
this banquet. And he sent his servant at supper time, when it's time to eat, when it's time to celebrate, to say to them that were bidden, Come, come to the table, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. In other words, I'm busy with the things that are occupying my life. Luke 14, verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry that they didn't want to come and eat at his table, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes in the city and bring in, look, the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. If you look up who is described as being poor and blind and maimed, it is the house of Jacob and being exiled in the nations of the world. That's how they're described. So this is a commandment to bring them back to Torah and to eat at the table, to eat of Messiah and to follow his commandments. Luke 14, verse 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Another subpart of Megid is known as Manish which is the four questions. Traditionally, the younger child present for the Passover Seder will ask these four questions. The four questions are as follows. On all other nights, we eat hametz, or leavened bread, and matzah, unleavened bread. So why on this night do we eat only matzah, or unleavened bread? Question number two. On all other nights, we can eat any kind of vegetable. So why on this night do we eat only maror or bitter herbs? Question number three. On all other nights, we are not required to dip even once. So why on this night do we dip twice? Question number four. On all other nights, we eat sitting or reclining. So why on this night do we only recline? It is the answer to these questions is how the Passover events are told by the father to the rest of the family. The third subpart of Magid is known as Havadim Hainu. Havadim Hainu is a remembrance that we were once slaves in Egypt, but the God of Israel redeemed his people from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, which is representing the Messiah, and now we are free men. There is a traditional song that is sung at this time, and the title of the song is Havadim Hainu. And the translation of the song, which is sung in Hebrew, is Once we were slaves, now we are children of freedom. The next subpart of Megid is entitled The Four Sons. The four sons represent four different kinds of people who are in covenant relationship with the God of Israel and their attitude toward the God of Israel and their attitude toward Passover. The four sons are the wise son, the wicked son, the simple son, and the son that does not know how to ask. What is the spiritual application of the four sons? They represent four different kinds of believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. The wise son represents the mature believer who practices his faith with diligence. The wicked son can be associated with the one that shows indifference to following his faith after being exposed to faith in Yeshua as the Messiah and being raised in a believing home and atmosphere. The simple son is representative or associated with the believer who wants to further understand his faith in a deeper way and is inquisitive and wants to learn more and more about following the Messiah. The son that does not know how to ask represents the believer who is not even aware how you go about studying and growing in your faith. Next in the Megid is the actual telling of the Passover events. And it begins with an explanation that a covenant was made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it further explains how the children of Israel went down to Egypt and were afflicted. Then the God of Israel brought forth his people after ten plagues 
fell upon the land of Egypt. These ten plagues were blood, frogs, lice, flies, pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the tenth plague was the slaying of the firstborn. At this part of Magid, you recite what is known as Dayenu. Dayenu means it is enough. This section of the Passover Haggadah explains how the God of Israel was under no obligation to redeem his people from Egypt. Therefore, every act that he does for his people should be received with a thankful heart. The traditional prayer of thanks in the Haggadah consists of the following. Therefore, it is my duty to thank, to praise, to laud, to glorify, to exalt, to acclaim, to bless, to extol, and to give respect to him who performed all these miracles for our fathers and for me. He has brought me forth from slavery to liberty, from sorrow to joy, from mourning to festival, from darkness to bright light, and from bondage to redemption. Therefore, let me recite a new song before him. Hallelujah. There is a traditional song that is sung. The title of the song is Dianu. The words of the song go like this. If he had only brought me out of Egypt, that in itself would have been enough. And then it goes on and remembers the various things that the God of Israel did for his people. For example, if he had only given us the Torah, that would have been enough. Rather than expecting so much from the God of Israel and being disappointed when things don't go your way in life, we need to receive every good thing that we have with thankfulness. That is the lesson of Dianu. In Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it is written, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Yeshua HaMashiach, concerning you. Next in the Megid, we recite the first part of the Hillel. The Hillel is Psalms 113 to 118, and at this time you only recite Psalms 113 and 114. Then we drink from the second cup. The second cup is called the cup of affliction and deliverance. The spiritual application of this second cup, the cup of affliction and deliverance, Yeshua partook of this cup in Gethsemane. In Luke chapter 22, verses 42 through 44, it is written, saying, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Step number six is Ratzah. Ratzah is the symbolic washing of hands once again. Step number seven is Motzi. Motzi is the blessing over bread. The traditional blessing over bread is as follows. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. In truth, this blessing over bread is a prayer of thanks unto the Heavenly Father for resurrecting Yeshua from the grave, he being the true bread that was brought forth, resurrected from the grave or from the earth. Yeshua is the true bread. John chapter 6, verse 33. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. Step number eight is matzah. This is the blessing for in the eating of matzah. What is the spiritual or messianic application to matzah? When you eat matzah, you realize that it doesn't have much taste. It tastes bland. This is a description of Yeshua. 
In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 and 2, it is written, Who has believed thy report, and to whom is the arm, the Zeroah, that shank bone on the Seder plate, of the Lord been revealed? Verse 2, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. It is like the matzah. It is bland in its taste, at least from the eyes of the external world with carnal eyes and with a carnal mind. Step number nine is maror. Maror here is romaine lettuce, and it is eaten at this time. And what is traditionally done is the maror is dipped or rolled with the haroset, which is the mixture of apples and nuts and cinnamon and spices, etc. And because we are eating of maror, which represents slavery, you do not recline when eating maror. Step number 10 is korek. Korek is the eating of matzah and maror, and in this case it's the horseradish, together. And how this is customarily done is you will take two pieces of matzah and you will put the horseradish at the front of your sandwich that you're making and you'll put the haroset behind. So initially when you bite into the sandwich you will taste the horseradish which has got to cause your eyes to water and to tear. But if you keep eating you're going to eat the sweetness of the haroset. This sandwich is known as the Hillel sandwich from the custom of Rabbi Hillel, which dates back to the first century. What is the spiritual application of doing this? The tears from the horseradish represent the bitterness of trials and tribulations that come into our lives. The lesson to be learned is that if you will press through the trials and the tribulations, which causes heartache and tears to come upon us, represented by the horseradish, and trust in Yeshua for his deliverance, you will experience the sweetness, which is the haroset, and the God of Israel's deliverance in your lives. Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, writes in Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, that he experienced many trials and tribulations, but the God of Israel brought him through these things. But you have fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecution, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Step number 11 is called Shohan Arek. This is the actual eating of the Passover meal itself. The Passover meal is a celebration of the redemption from Egyptian bondage. When you get done eating the meal, you are going to search for the piece of matzah that was hidden earlier in the service, known as the afikomen. The afikomen is searched, found, and redeemed. Once the afikomen is found, it is a custom for the child to barter with the father to determine the value of the afikomen. Once the agreed price is made, the father will give a down payment on the agreed price. This down payment is called or known the promise of the father. The spiritual application to us is the afikomen represents Yeshua the Messiah. Some interpret the word afikoman to mean dessert. However, the word afikoman can also mean he came in the Greek aorist tense. The middle piece of matzah, which was broken earlier, representing the death of Yeshua on the tree, and then became hidden, representing that Yeshua would not return following his death on the tree for approximately 2,000 years after his death on the tree is now redeemed representing those who would accept him as the messiah the promise given to those who accept yeshua as the messiah is the indwelling holy spirit who is the promise of the father 
In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, it is written, And behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So this is referring to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we read about in Acts chapter 2. The indwelling Holy Spirit is the down payment given to every believer in Yeshua as the Messiah where there will be a greater presence of the Spirit of the God of Israel and the awareness of His presence during the Messianic era when the entire earth will be filled with the knowledge of Yeshua. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. When Yeshua ascended to be with the Heavenly Father, He gave gifts to men through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we are told about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Messiah. Wherefore, He says, when He ascended on high, He led captivity captive, and He gave gifts to men. In Ephesians 4, it describes these gifts as what we call the fivefold ministry, those who would teach us in the ways of the God of Israel. But we also have the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned in other places in the Bible, which includes righteousness, found in Romans chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, eternal life, found in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, grace, found in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, Faith, which is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Then we have the spiritual gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 and 4, and also 8 and 11. These gifts are wisdom, knowledge, healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, and the discerning of spirits. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, we have tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, we have gifts of helps and administration. Now, we need to understand that the steps which we have done so far in the Passover Seder, prior to eating the Passover meal, emphasizes and teaches us about the first coming of Yeshua. The events after eating the Passover meal is going to teach us about the events of the second coming of Yeshua. Step number 12 is known as Zafun. Zafun is eating the Afikoman which had been redeemed earlier. The Afikoman represents spiritually eating every element and aspect of the Passover lamb itself. You eat the Afikoman while reclining to the left. Next is step 13, which is Barak and the drinking of the third cup. Barak is the grace after the meal. The third cup is now filled, and then Psalm 126 is recited, followed by the grace after the meal. Then you drink the third cup while reclining to the left. The third cup is called the cup of redemption. The messianic or spiritual application of this step is that Psalm 126 looks forward to the gathering of the exiles of the house of Jacob from all the nations of the earth, and this is known in traditional Judaism as the messianic redemption. In Psalm 126, it tells us that this messianic redemption is like a dream. It seems like an impossibility. It is the role of the Messiah to restore and gather the exiles of Israel and bring them back to the land of Israel. This event, the scriptures tell us, will be fulfilled during the tribulation at a period of time known as Jacob's Trouble. We can see this from Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 3 and 7. It says in verse 3, For lo, the days come, says the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, together they're the house of Jacob, and I'm going to cause them to return to the land that I gave to the fathers, and they will possess it. And in speaking about this return, it says in verse 7, Alas, for that day, the day of the return is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved out of it. Step number 14 is known as Hallel and the fourth cup. During Hallel, a cup is poured for Elijah. Traditionally, the children will go to the door to look for the coming of Elijah. The second part of the Hallel 
which is Psalms 115 to 118 are recited. Then we recite the great Hallel, which is Psalm 136. Then we drink the fourth cup, and the fourth cup is known as the cup of his coming or the cup of the kingdom. Then a song is sung known as Haggadah. What is the spiritual meaning and application of these things? Hallel teaches us about the events prior to the second coming of Yeshua to rule and reign on the earth during the Messianic era. The second coming of the Messiah is associated with the coming of Elijah and the judgment of the nations known as the tribulation period. We are told once again in Matthew chapter 17 verses 10 and 11, Yeshua was asked, why is it taught that Elijah comes before Messiah? And Yeshua answered that Elijah will come and restore all things. In mentioning and reading these things earlier in Malachi chapter 4 verses 4 and 5, the restoration is a remembrance to follow the Torah of the God of Israel. Just like in Egypt, when the God of Israel redeems his people from all the nations where they've been scattered, he will judge the nations when he redeems his people. We can see this in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7, talks about Jacob's trouble and Jacob being saved out or through it. And then it goes on to say about the nations in Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 10 and 11. Therefore fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, says the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel. For lo, I will save you from afar and your seed from the land of their captivity, and Jacob will return. And it goes on to say, for I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Though I make a full end of all nations where I've scattered you, yet will I not make a full end of you. So when he redeems his people, he's judging the nations. Step number 15 is the final step of the Passover Seder service. It is known as Nertzah. Nertzah is the declaration of the end of conducting the Passover Seder, fulfilling the commandment to tell your children about the events of Passover. The Passover Seder concludes with the cry, Next year in Jerusalem. These words is actually a prayer for the coming of King Messiah and the end of the exile of Jacob from all the nations where they've been scattered and the advent of the Messianic era. The Seder ends with the words, Next year in Jerusalem. Or in Hebrew, it's Lashana Haba'ah Beirushalayim. Lashana Haba'ah Beirushalayim. It's usually repeated three times. Lashana Haba'ah Beirushalayim. Next year in Jerusalem. Hopefully, in doing this study on Passover and in specifically doing this teaching on the Passover Seder, you can see how rich Passover is to all believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, especially when we understand the principles of Scripture, that even though Passover is a celebration of the historical Egyptian redemption, it also has a future parallel application to the end of days when the God of Israel will redeem the house of Jacob from all the nations where they have been scattered. It teaches us about the salvation in Yeshua the Messiah, who is the Lamb of the God of Israel, and it teaches us about our personal relationship with him. Yeshua said, come to the table. Anyone who is hungry, come and eat. This is a reference to celebrating Passover and understanding what the celebration of Passover is all about and how it relates and teaches us about Yeshua and about our personal relationship with him. So this is going to conclude the session for this moment in time. I pray that uh, teaching has been a blessing to you. Let us always remember these words from 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. He that says he abides in him, he who says he is a believer in Yeshua, ought himself to walk even as he walked. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah.
آمین